Thank you, John Choir, for sharing with us this morning. Take your Bible. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 15. We are in this series, and we're talking about community. And today, we're going to talk about how the church community overcomes disagreement. There are times when the community of God uh, has some things they have to talk out, work out, get over. Doesn't mean you ignore them, but there are some principles of how we do that. We're basing our series of community on the, book, on the church at Antioch in the book of Acts. And so we come to Antioch in Acts 15 today. They are in Antioch, but they're going to move the leaders down to Jerusalem for a dialogue and talk about how to overcome a disagreement. Acts 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren. These are the brethren in Antioch. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they had arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up, saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. Beginning in verse 7 and following, there are three that speak, a letter that is written and a decision that is made that you did not have to, as a Gentile, come to surgical salvation. Circumcision was not required, that it was by grace through faith. They wrote the letter, sent it back to Antioch, delivered it, got it all done, and then they got back to Antioch, and in verse 36, we pick up the dialogue. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take, a, wanted to take John, call Mark along with them also, but Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. There occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. The satanic answer to the work of evangelism in the local church is to paralyze the church. And that paralysis comes with strife, directing all of our energy not to reach the lost, but to come against one another. His chief tactic is to keep the church squabbling and on the defensive. Controversy is one of the enemy's 
favorite tactics. If he can get us to argue with one another, he knows we will have very little energy to carry the gospel to the ends of our street and the earth. So there at Antioch and men come teaching and preaching that circumcision is essential to salvation. There's great dissension and great debate. And Paul and Barnabas, they decide we, we've got to decide this issue. We must deal with it. And so we're going down to Jerusalem. We'll draw the council together. We'll get wisdom from others to see what we should do. Olive Church, hear me. In all of my life, I have never had anyone come and say, that before you can baptize that person, they got to be circumcised. No one's ever brought that particular issue to the table. But I have had people add to grace and faith. Some have said, if you're not baptized, you're not saved. Some have said, if you're not baptized in our church, you're not saved. Some have added good works to say, you, you've got to act in this way. You, you can't do those things. You, you must be like this in order to be saved. There is a teaching in churches across our region that if you don't take the wafer from their leader every Sunday, you don't have salvation. You must take the Lord's Supper communion. And dear friend, hear me. You do not add anything to the finished work of Jesus on Calvary's cross. For by grace are you saved through faith. End of story, end of paragraph, end of the book, period. Now, should you be baptized? Sure. I've already encouraged these teachers. Teenagers, those that have trusted Christ of later and days gone by, and you've never been baptized. Hi, darling. I got one waving at me down here, so I'm waving back. <laughs> if you've never been to the baptismal fountain, get saved and then go there. But that water does not save you. It's the blood of Jesus that saves you. And today, I'm going to ask you in just a few minutes, come right here and say, Pastor, I, I'm signing up, ready to be baptized because I have been saved. You need to do it today. Don't let your heart get cold. Do that thing. Should you have good works? Yes. When God saves you, you ought to change. I've had people say, well, that grace through faith thing just gives you a license to sin. Just go out and be wicked and cuss all you want and sin all you want. That's right. I cuss all I want. I sin all I want. God saves you, changes you want her. You want to is different when Jesus moves into your soul. Does that mean you never do it? Oh, no. We have issue and difficulty. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. But hear me. Grace. And we should focus our life as a church reaching the lost, discipling the saved, and strengthening the church. That's why we do Vacation Bible School. Every year we do it to win the lost, disciple the saved. That's why we do D now is to win the lost disciple the same. It's why we opened this building out here uh, this past Tuesday night at the Corners Building where Crossroads, our college ministry for young adults, meets out there. Had 175 students show up on the first night. Amen. And it's paid for. You did it. You wrote the checks. It's done. Uh, 
just look at the video board. I'll give you a little snippet to what they did. This is Video Sunday at Olive. I want you to look right here. And, and look what they did out there Tonight on Tuesday night. just the seed being planted that we're going to see the fire of God fall, the Spirit of God come, and do a great work in your life, your life, your life, and in my life. By the way, that was not Johannes from Wyoming with the big cowboy hat on in, in the video, all right? But that was me in a hoodie. <laughs> Why did we build this preschool and children's to, So we could win Christ and win people to Christ. Why did we put this middle school building here? So we would have a place to invite our friends. Why did we redo Passmore to win? Why did we do this? Because people come to faith in Christ early in life. It's when we win them. It's why we do it. And that's where our focus must be. If we'll get our focus on winning the lost and strengthening the saved, then dissension will melt away. G-R-A-C-E. It's the word for the morning, and I want you to see it very quickly with me today. Three things. What marks the church that overcomes disagreement? Number one, we must be marked by saving faith. When you come to Acts 15, they went down to Jerusalem and they had a council. There were three people to speak, really four, but uh, first of all, we find that Peter speaks. Then Paul and Silas speak, and then James speaks. You find Peter speaking in verse number 7. He stood up, and he told them how the Gentiles came to Christ, and they were saved by grace, not through works or circumcision. They came by grace. He would have told—I guarantee you Peter told the story of Cornelius. It's in Acts 10. Peter had a dream one night, and a big sheet came down from heaven. And there were clean and unclean animals. And the Spirit of God said to Peter, take and eat anything. And Peter said, no, I can't eat that that's unclean. And God said, oh, yes, for everything before my eyes is clean. There's a knock at the door, and the people said, we've come to get you. There's a man named Cornelius, a leader of the Roman cohort. He'd like to speak to you, and he takes him down, and he finds this Gentile man in Peter. Salvation is only for the Jews. And all of a sudden, God said, no, no, he's unclean in the sheet. Share Christ with him, and he'll come to faith in Christ. 
Cornelius gloriously saved. Peter said, the Gentiles have come. Then Paul and Barnabas stood up in verse number 12 and related the signs and wonders that God had done through them for the Gentiles. Then James, bless God, James, the brother of Jesus. He is the pastor at Jerusalem where the council has come together. And James stood up and he said, it's good to me and the Holy Spirit that God would save the Gentile by faith through grace. And they listened to their pastor. They obeyed their pastor. The pastor got together people after he had read from the book of Amos. Then they wrote a letter. They took that letter, and you can find that letter in verses 23 through 29. And he shared with them that it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. And he talked to them about some things they should do, but circumcision was not part of it. And they were saved by grace through faith. Listen, I don't know everybody in this room. Listen to me. Look, look, look right here. Look at me now. Listen, I, I don't know all of you. Let me tell you, if you're going to get saved, you're going to get saved by God's grace through faith. End of story. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 3 and verse 24. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. We are justified by his gift by what? Grace. Grace. God's unmerited favor. That that you don't deserve and I don't deserve. He, we come by grace unto him. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. Paul went on to say it this way. For by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God not of works lest someone would boast about it. There's no bragging here. And then Ephesians 3 and verse 8. To me the very least of all the saints this grace was given. Paul. <laughs> and he's been given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable. You can't even fathom the riches of Christ. For by grace, unmerited favor, he reaches to you. It's why we call where these ladies live the Charis house. That's the Greek word for grace. It's the grace house is what it is. But before there was a Charis house, there was the work of the Charis house. 25 years ago, there was a lady in our church here. She was a college student. She is a dopehead, alcoholic, godless. I went to her house one night at the request of her parents, and I went and sat down, and she'd been coming to church a little. When I went to see her that night, she was high, out of her mind, on drugs. I tried to open the Bible. And she stood up and started taking her clothes off. Undressing, they grabbed her quickly and got her out of the room. I asked a lady in our church at that time who really had a heart. If she were still here, she'd be right in the middle of the carriage house. She no longer lives here. I said, would you go and befriend this girl? She did, and she finally led her to faith in Jesus baptized her. God changed her. She married a Marine. They have children. They've been all over the world. She is gorgeous. I mean beautiful. She walked down this aisle and turned your head. She 
She's well over into her 50s now. And still marked by the beauty of God because of a day when grace changed her life. Hear me, church. That is the business the church is in. We must share grace with teenagers and children and college students and adults, dopeheads and those that are self-righteous. For by grace are you saved through faith. That girl got saved. It was pre-Cares House, but it was the same message that we have. We must be marked by saving grace. But secondly, we must be marked quickly now. We must be marked by showing grace, showing grace. You, you get over to verse 36 and Barnabas and Saul are there and they said, let's go on a missionary trip. Second one, let's go back and strengthen the churches. They said, great idea. Barnabas says, let's get John Mark. He's back here and let's talk to him. And Paul says, no. I'm not taking him. You remember on the first missionary trip, he didn't make it six verses. And he went home to mama. Paul said, I ain't putting up with it. He turned tail and ran the first time. He probably do the same thing the next time. I'm not having it. And the Bible says that Barnabas took John Mark. Paul took Silas, second, third missionary trip, writing of most of the New Testament. And you hear about them. Barnabas leaves with Mark, and you never hear one more syllable about Barnabas, not one. He's done. But you do hear about Mark. So the question in every writer's mind is who was right? Barnabas or Saul? The answer is yes. I believe they both were correct. You see, Paul was getting ready to go back and strengthen the churches, and God said, I want you to go back, and I want you to go to a new place, in a new avenue. He would not have gone if he'd have had Barnabas with him. But he had Silas, and to a new place they go. Barnabas takes John Mark. Now listen to me, church. A church that is marked by the showing of grace is a second chance church. Do you hear me? He gave John Mark a second chance, and Olive will say to anyone who comes to faith in Christ, we'll give you a second chance, third chance. By the way, God's given me a few chances. Has he you? Now, I know all you self-righteous people have never sinned. You don't need it. Don't you say amen. We throw you out on your head right now. Right? None righteous, no, not a one. But you know, it's like the old boy used to sit way up there in the balcony years ago. He was a bartender, and I led him to Jesus. He came, we baptized him. Then he lapsed back into his old life. Months later, he came back and said, Pastor, can I come home? Can I come home? You know what I told him. Hell no. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. We're the church of a second chance. 
a third chance. We put our arms around him. Some of you sitting in here today, it's the first time you've been. Oh, you, you went when you was a kid, but now somebody invited you and you came today and you say, I wonder if there's a place for me. Can I restart? Yes, sir. He's the God of the chance of second and third. He, he's the God of John Mark. Because later, John Mark, who was with Barnabas, you never hear of Barnabas, but Mark and Paul, they get together. You find them in fellowship. And when you open your Bible, you read Matthew, then what do you read? Mark. He's the God of the second chance. And some of you need to come run into him today. And I'm telling you, you'll find his arms wide open. Give God a second chance. Church, you must receive those that come running with a second and a third chance. I see it all the time. Look at me. All you teenagers in a white shirt, look right here. They tell me when you graduate from high school, that in the college years, seven out of ten of you are going to leave the church. Not your faith. You're going to believe, but you're just going to wonder. And then you're going to meet somebody and you're going to get married. Then you're going to have a baby. And then you're going to look around and say, you know, Maybe I ought to raise this child as I was raised. And young couples start coming back. Walking back in the church. Having been raised in church, baptized in church, loving the church, singing in the choir, going on a mission trip, being a part of Dina. And then let some half-nitwit professor talk you out of believing the Word of God. Let me tell you, professors, it'll talk young people out of their faith in God. There's a hot corner in hell for them. Bunch of liberal doofuses. I just love it when the more liberal doofuses get saved and they bring their mind to the things of God. And that student will come back and they say, is there a place for me? And the church of showing grace gives a second chance. Amen? Amen? Some of them go out and get pregnant before they even get married, and then they come back and say, oh, man, they won't ever let me come in. It's the church of the second chance. Ask these girls in the Karis house if God's the God of the second chance. Sometime five, six, and seven minutes. Thank God for grace, grace, grace. Thirdly, quickly, marked by sending grace. In verse number 40, they went out. They, they went out. They were committed by the brethren to the what? To the grace of God, verse 40. It says, grace sent out 
Silas and Paul. Grace sent them. We commission people to go into the schools with the gospel. We commission you into the business district with the gospel. We commission you to sports teams in athletics. We commission you go with the gospel. I watched the Super Bowl last week. It was just great. I loved it. I didn't give a rip who won. Man, watching games when I got a dog in the hunt, it's hard. I want my team to win every time. Cincinnati, L.A., I didn't care. But I sure did like old Cooper Cup when he got done won the MVP and he started talking about King Jesus. I said, go, Cooper, go. He scored his greatest point. When he lifted high the blood-stained banner of the cross. I send you as an athlete. We commission you to go by grace to the sports field. That's why this Friday and Saturday we got those NFL players coming. We're inviting young people to come and teams to come. They'll hear the gospel. I'll preach it here on Friday night and give an invitation Saturday morning. Those NFL players will be here training and teaching. It's why we do it. We commission these people into the sports field and we commission you into your neighborhoods. I met a neighbor this weekend I had never met on a side road and she listened she didn't have a clue who I was now let me tell you it's, it's hard for me to find people in this town that don't know me you put my face on that billboard and on television your voice on the radio and give you a guy with hair like this but I met her, and she didn't know, she didn't know, didn't care. Tough, oh, tough. Just cussed right in front of the preacher. I said, she doesn't know who I am. I, I guarantee you she doesn't know who I am. I said, Lord Jesus, we found us a prospect right here. Amen. And I'll stand in the judgment if I don't go back, because I'm commissioned to be a neighbor. Sent. By the grace of God. This church will be what God wants it to be if we will be marked by saving grace, showing grace, and sending grace. I want you to do one last thing for me. I want you to reach over and get that blue book. It's right in front. Of it's called a hymnal. I want to show you something, and then we're going to sing. 329. I want you to look at it. 329. Julia Johnson wrote this old hymn. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace it exceeds our sin and our guilt. Grace more than your sin. Yonder, you know she's a southern girl. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Marvelous infinite grace, grace it will pardon and cleanse within. Amen for grace greater than your sin. For you cannot sin past God's grace. Because grace is greater than your sin. But now go to the next song. You know it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a, what's that word? Wretch. Wretch. When you look down at the bottom, you see that John Newton wrote this song. John Newton was from England, was a slave trader. 
a wicked, vile man who said, I sinned with a high hand and tried to induce and seduce everyone I could to go with me. He was a vile wretch. But one night aboard the Greyhound, that was the name of the slave ship, one night aboard the Greyhound, a storm came up. And Newton got on his knees and said, Oh, God, be merciful. If you'll get me out of here, I'll follow you. And God got him through the storm. And God saved John Newton. And took a slave trader and made a Puritan preacher out of him. And a hymn writer. The Lord's promise good to me, his word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as my life endures. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like you and you and me. Grace reaches and pulls us up. And it'll do that for you. If you've never been saved today, come run into this altar and get saved. If you never joined this church, come and do it. Now, here's what I want us to do John's coming. And I, I'm, going, I'm going to be standing after I pray. I'm going to stand right here. And two or three of our folks here, you young people, I know several of you said yes to Christ. You hadn't been baptized. You need to come. Tell us. You're ready to do it. Some of you here and ought to join this church want you to do it. But then, listen, listen to me. There's something else I want us to do. Did it in early service. I, I just sense I ought to do it here. If you are here and you need physical healing for something in your life, not for a friend's life, but in your life, and you'd like somebody to pray over you, then I want you to come, and we're going to have somebody just come lay their hands on you and pray over you this morning. So for a physical malady, come. For a spiritual touch, come. Coming to say yes to Christ and by baptism, come. And say yes to God's amazing grace. Church, would, you, would everybody just do this right here? Just put your hands out like this. Just put That's how God's looking at you this morning. He's looking at you saying, come. Come, come. Now put your hands down. Quit slapping each other in the face over here in the white sense. God says, come. I'm going to pray, and while I'm praying, you come on right now. You can come out of that balcony. While I'm praying, you come. Stand right here. If you're ready to come, you, you come while I pray. The Spirit of God's wooing. You know you ought to do it. Then you come. You come. While I pray, make your way right here. Father, in Jesus' blessed name, thank you for grace. It's amazing and marvelous. Thank you that's beyond our sin. I pray, oh God, you'd save today. I pray young people come, make good on their confession. And Lord, I pray for the sick that God, you'd heal them. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.